Kings of the Podcast, episode 133. Dennis Bernstein, who is, uh, man, I wish people could see you right now, DB. Uh, you're rocking the New York Yankees jersey. Have you taken that thing off since the All-Star break or All-Star game? <laughs> I have. You think I wore this last night to the Vin Tribute? Come on. I never know. I don't know. So, yeah, let's no. get it. Let's get right into it. Uh, we have a guest, of course, today, which is going to be Jack Hughes. He was the Kings first selection at the 2022 NHL draft. We'll talk more about the draft. We'll talk about Dev Camp. We'll bring everybody up to speed on the salary cap situation. And we have a fun true false segment that we're going to do in the third period. We uh, we lifted the questions last year, Dennis, from Boomer and Jake over on Sirius XM NHL Network yeah. Radio. And we had a lot of fun with it last year. So we thought we would do it again. Uh, it's kind of become Boomer's thing that he does at the end of the year before he goes uh, off mm -hmm. to the cottage. So he's in hiding now for the next couple of weeks. So he <laughs> won't hear this probably until September. But before we get to all that, DB, we are recording this on Saturday morning. Uh, it's been a tough week here in Los Angeles. Vin Scully passed away. I, I mean, we could do hours on Vin Scully. Uh, there have been a ton of tributes around around the uh, you know the league and also around Los Angeles already. But last night was a pretty special night. Uh, the Dodgers, of course, when he passed away, they were in San Francisco, Dennis. And last night on Friday night was their first game back home. So uh, you were there. You want to share any sort of special moments about the Vinny tribute? Yeah, it's hard to encapsulate his life in 15 minutes. And the Dodgers did a really nice job. It was poignant. It was, it was emotional. I mean, look, I'm a Yankee fan, but he, Finn's the goat, right? So I get it. I understand it. And it was great. And, and I was fine until they played over the rainbow and I just lost it. It was just, I, how could you not like shed tears for a guy who's a legend? John, 67 years in the same job. I mean, it just, that keeps coming back to me, but it was just, it was sweet and to the point And the Dodgers, and you know, their response was to get four runs in the first inning for Vin. So it was win for Vin. It was a, a poignant night. Uh, I'm glad I was there. It was just special. As a matter of fact, guys, like um, I posted an Instagram story, and Dave Sims, who's the play-by-play -play guy for uh, the Seattle Mariners, actually sent me a DM, said, like, you know, just with the 100 symbol. So it was nice. Uh, it, it's I can't say it's a fitting tribute because it would, like we've talked about before we came on, John, it would take days to, to, tribute, to do a tribute to, to what Vin meant to everyone. But it's not just baseball. It's not just sports. He was an icon in the city. And uh, I know you grew up loving him. And I know it was very, very impactful when he passed for you as well. 
Well, it certainly was. Um, as I was saying to you privately the other night, sort of the three things that that uh, I guess I, I, I came up with this just as a way of making myself laugh and not be sad. Uh, Vince sure. Gully and I shared a birthday, so I always felt sort of <laughs> a weird connection to him, uh, if you believe in that sort of stuff. But yeah, we shared a birthday. We shared many conversations. I, I wouldn't say many, uh, several, a few, a handful uh, through the years in the press box or at Dodger Stadium. Uh, but beyond that, you know, we never shared a beer. So I, I didn't have that one-on-one -on -one connection when you're listening to people uh, talk about, you know, hey, we had dinner with Vin and, you know, the away from the stadium, I guess, is really what I'm getting at. So, you know, sure. we uh, only know Vinny as Vinny at work, you know, and right. what was fascinating to me was hearing all of the stories about Vinny away from the stadium of course everybody says that you know he was the same and he was that nice of a man and everything and you would expect that it would be it would be really hard to turn on that sort of charm and grace uh you know for a couple hours every night and then turn into something different so that wasn't the thing sure. but you know db the one thing that always I, I i i block it out is really what it boils down to and in, and in these moments you're reminded of is that he grew up a giants fan so for those that right. don't know the story, uh, basically he was passing by, I believe it was a laundromat. He saw the World Series score and the Mets, uh, excuse me, the uh, the Yankees had just thumped the Giants uh, by, you know, more than 10 runs or something. And as an eight-year-old kid, he felt some compassion for the Giants and started rooting right. for the Giants. And it's just so funny because it, while it's a known fact, I just always tend to block that out until it's moments like sure. this where you're reminded when they do the, you know, this is Vinny's life. And you go, oh, yeah, damn it. He was a Giants fan, but it does make everything so fitting, right? doesn't it? His last game yeah. ever called was in San Francisco against mm -hmm. the Giants. The game when he passed was against the Giants. I mean, you just can't yeah. script this stuff, uh, Dennis. It, 67 years is a long time, but really what's fascinating is when you go back to the beginning of his career, he's in his early 20s. And he's yeah. plucked by Red Barber to call some college football and then ends up in the booth with Red Barber, who's a legend. I mean, he's basically right. handpicked by a legend to, you know, assist him. And then eventually three, I think it was three years later, take over and and never really gave up the job. And just uh, here's the thing. Vince Scully is loved universally uh, throughout baseball. And, and I don't think in L.A. we really had or even have an appreciation of that until moments like this unfortunately right mm -hmm. when they're when yes. they're going across all of baseball and you hear the stories about visiting players coming up to the booth and wanting to meet him and how excited that Justin Turner I don't know if you saw this interview Justin Turner was talking about the first time he came to LA as a member of the Mets and how Vinny mm -hmm. walked into the visiting team clubhouse to introduce himself yeah. and Justin Turner was like speechless he's like I can't even believe this icon that I grew up listening to uh, it, it even knows who I am, it, let alone is coming into the visiting team clubhouse to talk to me and ask me a couple of questions. Um, and, and it's funny, too, because, uh, DB, so many of the players talked about the fact that Vinny didn't do interviews in the sense that when he would go and talk to a player, it wasn't about, like, tell me about that play or tell me your strategy on stealing bases. They, they were always different type of questions. And um, I don't know. I, not that any, on any level we're Vin Scully or, or ever will be, but it sort of reminds me of this show, Dennis, because we like to, when we're talking to our guests, not talk about the X's and O's. We like to talk about sure. the players and the people that they are and their lives and things like that. And so, I don't know, for some reason, I sort of felt a connection to that story that, uh, that JT was telling. Yeah, I have one image and it's more Vin at work because back in 2016, the last year he, he broadcast, uh, there was that farewell tour 
and I was working for a, a news service. I was doing some Dodger games, and and I remember uh, I had a uh, media pass. So I was on the field before the game. I came back, and there's a walkway from the dugout through, like, the uh, the dugout club. Mm-hmm. And to the elevator. I'm walking through, yeah, through the elevator, right? So I'm walking through, and there's Vin with Clint Hurdle, who's the, who was the manager of the Pirates at the time just talking one-on-one away from everybody. And, and I want to say hi to Vin and congratulate him, but they were in, involved in a, a pretty long conversation. So I just walked past and said, okay, I'll, at some point I'll catch up and maybe send my best wishes. But that's that's the, the respect he had. And you talk about guys like – I remember he's talking about uh, Manny Machado and Jonathan Scope from the Orioles came up to the booth. And Jonathan Scope said, there's no way that Vin knows anything about me. Vin knew everything. <laughs> And and that his yeah. preparation was without par. Just a great storyteller, a great man, a legend, a giant. Um, he'll be missed. And I, I keep going back to, and I know uh, that uh, Bally Sports West is going to re-air that special with Bob Miller and Vin and uh, and Chick Hearn. But also, when you think about it, you also we also had uh, uh, Ralph Lawler from the Clippers. Just we had just giants of the the sports broadcasting industry. We've been privileged, and. Uh, yeah, but that that's my lasting memory of Vin is that uh, you know just one on one with players and and how much he loved this game and loved people. I tweeted this out the other night. Remind me to talk about Nomar too. But um, this is not going to be the entire Vin Scully show. But uh, yeah, I, sure. I would like to take a few minutes and talk about Vin just because of how special he he was oh, and what he meant to Los Angeles. Um, one of the funny moments for me was the the change in ownership to the the Magic Group. Um, I I don't know why I thought this was so funny, but um, Vin, I mean, you know, Vin's really late in his career at this point when this is happening. This isn't, you know, peak Vin Scully, but the comment was he's he's introducing um, the new ownership group. And, and Vinny said something to the effect of, uh, yeah, uh, I was hoping they were going to put a court out here and I was willing to play magic in a one on one shirts versus skins. <laughs> you know, and I, don't, I don't know why, but the image of, of Vinny in a shirts versus skins game against magic just still to this day cracks me up. Um, and that's how he was. He was just so witty um, and, and charming in every sort of way. But uh, to mention the Nomar thing, uh, I, I probably have never even shared this when we've talked to baseball, the little bit that we have on the show. But Nomar to me. um was probably the one player that I had always wished wished the Dodgers would get. You know me, I'm a prospect guy. So I, I love the, yeah. the guys that the Dodgers draft or that the Kings draft and develop yeah. on their own. Um, that's just kind of the way that my brain works, you know. Um, I'm not really big into the free agents and the trades and adding to it that way. It's mm-hmm. necessary, but um, I, I love the kids that just sort of grow up in any organization, not just the yeah. LA organizations, but Nomar was just that guy. I don't know why, but I always thought, man, that, you know, if the, if the Dodgers could ever get Nomar. So it was great when he was in Los Angeles for me for a couple of years. Um, but listening to Nomar the other night, he got more choked up and was more emotional mm-hmm. than virtually anybody. I mean, they all were. Carlos was choked up. You oh, know, yeah. all the former players were. But Nomar, I didn't really ever realize. I knew he grew up a Dodger fan, but just didn't realize what, what it, Vinny meant to him, uh, it was pretty emotional just listening to Nomar talk about it. And, it. and it stirred up all the memories of of that brief time period when Nomar was in Los Angeles, which was, man, yeah. such such a fun time period. And there, there are so many of those time periods in Dodger history when you when you start going back to the 70s and Tommy and and, you know, the, the fearsome infil, infield and then, you know, the rookies of the year in the early 90s and the oral days in, in 88, you know, in that World Series. Uh, it's, it's, it's just it's pretty crazy what he was able to see Vinny that is over 67 years. Uh, 
it's so many great times. Absolutely. Just a John of a man. And I think that's, I think to me, that's the impression over the last few days is forget baseball, forget sports. It, this guy loved people and loved being around people. And uh, just, uh, he'll be sorely missed. He's a true, he's the goat without question. Yeah. One of the uh, interesting questions that, that I think has come up over the last couple of days is, can you think of another non-player that really is at the top of that team's Mount Rushmore, you know, and I can't, I mean, maybe Harry Carey is, I mean, he's on the Mount Rushmore of the Cubs, but mm -hmm. there are so many Cubs players that sort of push him out or, or, or maybe at least push him out of the number one position, but nobody can push Vinny out. I mean, maybe you could say Jackie Robinson just because of his impact, uh, you know, on society. But when you think of the Dodgers, there is absolutely only one person that comes to mind first, and it's Vince Scully. Yeah, he's the one that introduced baseball to Los Angeles, right? He was he was the, the driving force, right? And, and look, and I think that somebody had mentioned there was a poll about who's the greatest Dodger of all time, and a lot of people say that it's it's Scully, which is right. uh, which is amazing. And, and to your point, John, I, I can't think I could think of maybe what like maybe Chick Hearn, but but they've had so many championships and so many great players and Hall of Famers, I, I can't. I don't think at the same level. So no. I, I agree with you that that there's nobody, no non-sports, no non-player that would be on the Rushmore to the magnitude that Vince Scully would be with the Dodgers. I have to get this in then, Dennis. Uh, we were going to move yeah. on. But anybody who says that Chick Hearn is higher on the pecking order than Magic Johnson, we're going to have to have a conversation. So tweet me and you're <laughs> welcome to come on the program. No, you're not because we don't want you on the show with that kind of a horrible take. So uh, speaking of horrible takes, boy, what what a couple of weeks on Twitter here, DB. Uh a Mark Purdy reference, which we haven't had around yes, Mayor's Manor yes, for a good decade since 2000, I think 12 <laughs> or 14. So it was fun yes, to uh, have a couple exchanges with him. Uh, many, many things have happened. So we'll have to get into this. Dustin Brown's Jersey retirement has officially been scheduled. We lobbied hard, Dennis, to have it on opening night. Why not get right to it? You know, the Jersey was going to the rafters this season. Why wait? Do it opening night. But instead, it's going to be done in February uh, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And oh, by the way, Jeff Carter plays for the Penguins. So uh, Carts will be in town. Can't wait for that night in February. And you talk about tears uh, just the other night for the Vinny tribute. I think there might be a few tears uh, shed that night when really the realization starts to hit that 23 really is done forever as the 23 goes to the rafters and the uh, statue is unveiled. A very special night coming in Los Angeles, yeah. Dennis. Yeah, and I think the reason, I'm not sure what, where they, what the progress on the statue is, and maybe that's why they're moving it to February. But I, I reached out to Dustin over the summer, and he's been traveling with you know the kids, the, the travel hockey teams and stuff like that. So, said, so we're going to see you around the rink uh, very often, aren't we? And he goes, no, I'm not, I'm not coming by the rink. So. Well, he has too many Xbox tournaments that he's entered into for all of his gaming <laughs> activities. He doesn't have time to get to, uh, to, get to any sporting events. Yeah, I, I think the bigger miss we'll have is not having, although she may be there, is Nicole not being, uh, you know, downstairs after games, giving her critique of uh, of Dustin's usage. But uh, he's doing well. He's happy. And I think it's the right time, right place. But that's going to be a special night in February for sure. Yeah. Um, and of course, there is the I, I sent you a picture of it last night. There is already a Dustin Brown tattoo that's floating around so that that listener i would like to have on so you can yes, you yes, can tweet John, us somebody uh, you know the dustin brown logo which is like the the king's home plate logo with him rising out of it raising the cup uh 23 forever something like that somebody has tattooed that on there i don't know if it's their leg or their bicep or whatever it is but that tattoo has already been on or is already on one person so uh dustin brown's legacy is 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 firmly cemented here in los angeles db we have a 
lot to get to today. Um, let's sort of transition. There's there's not a an easy way to transition off of Vin uh, or Dustin Brown sure. retiring, but looking forward, uh, the Kings have about four million dollars in cap space left. They have two players to sign. Uh, there's a big article on mayorsmanner.com. People can check it out if they want. I break it all down for you. Just search opening night roster on mayorsmanner.com and you'll see the breakdown. Uh, Kempe's contract came in as expected at 5.5 mm -hmm. million. We've plugged in the Lemieux contract, the Grunstrom contract, the Velarde contract. Uh, you have Jod and Leah Anderson who are fighting for that 14th roster spot at forward. And then the, uh, the top seven in terms of the defensemen are pretty much set. Anderson, Dowdy, Walker, Roy, Bjornfoot, Jersey, Edler. Edler, of course, being able to sign that deal for 750000 yeah. minimum and then with a bunch of incentives. People have asked how that works, Dennis, by the way. The way those incentive deals work is that you don't have to have the money to pay out the incentives until the end of the year. So basically, right. for the entire season, he carries a $750,000 cap hit. So the Kings have basically until what April of next year to clear salary cap out either through long-term injured reserve or through uh, trading away players that have money on them or whatever. Sure. Uh, Cause you can't restructure deals in the NHL like <laughs> you can in the NFL. Um, so where the Kings sit right now today is I've plugged Dursey in just as a placeholder and I've plugged Anderson in just as a placeholder and they have, it says at the bottom 2.1 million, but really the way to read that is you take Anderson's money, Dursey's money, and the remaining money, and what you end up with is $4 million to sign both players. I'm thinking the Dersey contract uh, and or the Anderson contract are going to come in at around two years, $2 million each. You kind of chop that money. There is a mm -hmm. different way to play it, though, Dennis, and so that's what I'm really curious to get your feedback on is if you're Mikey Anderson or Sean Dersey, for that matter, would you rather take a one-year deal at a, lower, at a lower price tag, at a lower AAV than the $2 million and be at this point again next year. I'll give I'll give you my thoughts after yeah. you go. I if I'm Dursey, I would take the lower one because I think his production uh, over a full season would warrant the money. Mikey's never going to be the offensive player, so I think that in that case, I, I would take two million per for two years. And then that, if you, to answer your question, John, if there's one player who would bet on himself for a higher payday, it would be Sean Dursey. Yeah, I would agree with you on the Dursey part. The Mikey one I go back and forth on because if I'm Mikey, I'm worth more than $2 million, but I'll take the two times two. Yeah. But I'm thinking another year solidifying my spot, especially if I'm playing alongside Drew Doughty, um, and I continue to sort of cement my importance on this roster, I can I can definitely get more than $2 million if they had more than $2 million to give me. Um, so one more year might be the way to go. However, when I look ahead, if I was an agent, there still is some uncertainty next year. Like people talk about the fact that the Kings are going to get 5 million coming off the cap next year with Jonathan Quick's exit. Mm -hmm. And I say, no, it's probably only about 3 million because you still have Good to get a replacement for him. Sure. So it, it's the net difference. So sure, they're going to pick up another 3 million, but they're also going to look to spread that around because you have some of the other kids that are going to need raises and whatnot. And so the point I'm making is they're tight against the cap this year. And if I look ahead, they're going to be tight against the cap next year when all is said and done. So if I'm Mikey, I might be better off just taking the two by two and then crossing that bridge in two years. Yeah, I think that's because I don't think he's going to become like in what what universe does he become a four or four or five million dollar player? As much as I like the player, it, the, the productivity would have to be there. So I think that's that's fair for him. That's fair for the team. Uh, so I, I would think if you could got to lock in for two years, I think that's it. Because if if 
if you do succeed and, and you do get a better payday, it's coming down the line anyway. Well, I would not that they're the same player. So please don't at me on Twitter. But if Derek Forbert can get a three year, $3 million AAV deal, yeah. I see no reason why Mikey Anderson can't get a contract equal to or better than that. But again, the money's not there. So we can talk all right. day long about what the true value is of a Sean Dursey or what the true value is of a Mikey Anderson. But there's no denying that right now the Kings are in a fixed position. They have a total of about $4 million to divide up between those two players. Um, the other thing that the other mistake that people make DB when they look at these sort of salary cap things, and a lot of times they go on these uh, these websites where the contracts are listed, they don't take into consideration the 23 man roster. So, for example, I mentioned a minute ago, it's either Leas Anderson or it's Jared Anderson Dolan um, mm -hmm. that are going to take up that 14th spot. You can't add both of their contracts when you're totaling up the money that's spent. You have to look at right. it as 23 players. So I'll just run through this with you real quickly. Uh, when you go through the 23 players, I went through the 7D. Obviously, the two goalies are Quick and Peterson. But among the forwards, you have Fiala, Kopitar, and Kempe as your top line. A second line, hypothetically, of Moore, Deneau, and uh, Ardvidsson. Excuse me, Moore, Deneau, and Ardvidsson. And then you have Ayafala with Byfield and Kaliev. And then you have Lemieux, Lazat, Grundstrom. Right now, I have Velarde as the 13th forward and then the 14th forward coming down to Jod and Anderson. Here's what it boils mm -hmm. down to, DB. Among those two final scratches, you have three players that are fighting for those spots. Velarde, Jod, and right. Elias Anderson. They all make roughly the same thing in terms mm -hmm. of money and they're all out of waivers. So there's going to be an issue with one of those guys. One of them is going right. to have to be put on waivers to be sent to the American league, unless you were to make a trade in camp. Uh, and here's the other thing people keep saying, well, trade. I follow trade. I follow. I'm going to give <laughs> you the reason why they're not going to trade. I follow in that $4 million contract. If you look at the top six, which we just did, if any of those players become injured for any reason, Dennis and bumps and bruises are yeah. part of, life in the NHL outside of the top six. I'm going to read the names again to you. It's Ifalo, Byfield, Kaliev, Grundstrom, Lazat, Lemieux, Velarde, Jod, and Leas Anderson. Who in that group has any sort of experience that would give you any sort of confidence to go up and play in the top six. If one of those top six players are injured, there's only one name and it stands out quite a bit from the rest. Dennis. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. And this team does actually need offensive players from the third line. If they're going to progress offensively. Um, I, unless it's some home run deal, John, you can't make that trade. Like, to fit in what? Like, so if you're fitting in a top four defenseman on the left side and you want to move Sean Walker back, yeah, sure, you make that trade. But other than that, for this housekeeping, no, he has to stay. Yeah, Walker is the piece to move defensively because eventually you're going to need to fill that hole on the left side. And even if you gave Edler more minutes, you still like the idea of building up Walker's trade value. His trade value has decreased. You know, he's been injured pretty much for the last sure. two years. So the trade value yep. has increased, or excuse me, decreased. So you want to play him at least 20 games in the NHL next year before you could move a Sean Walker. That would give you, if you, if you traded him, I'm going to say for picks and prospects, meaning for a non-NHL roster player, uh, you would be gaining a full 2.6 million uh, mm -hmm. or the equivalent of 2.6 million. The IFALO contract is the one that eventually you probably do want to move, but you have to have somebody to replace him. And so no IFALO is your insurance player and you don't have anybody outside the top six that's going to give you a lot of confidence. And here's the other thing, Dennis. I, I, I don't, I'm not spreading rumors. I'm not saying I know this for a fact. I'm just saying, People seem to be awfully quiet about this. And the timeline is concerning on Victor Arvidsson. So if you go back to yeah. the, and I'm talking about opening night. So if you go back to the timing of when it was announced that he had the surgery and the projected recovery time on that mm -hmm. surgery, it yep. put him eh, kind of ready for opening night. 
Yeah, but here's the thing. Whenever you're coming back from an injury, Dennis, and you know this, you have to kind of play yourself back into shape. So if Arvidsson is not ready on opening night, and I'm saying if, 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 if he's not mm-hmm. ready come opening night, all the more reason that you need a Naya follow to be able to plug in on that line or that you need production on the third line if you're going to take a risk hypothetically and play a, a Elias Anderson or a Velarde or even a Grundstrom up on that line, right? You try to want to try to balance out the offense. You, what I'm saying is, Dennis, you can't trade Ayafalo right now until you absolutely know that Victor Arvidsson is healthy and that mm-hmm. somebody else is going to be there to produce and take his minutes. Yeah, and what are you trading Ayafalo for? Like, you well, better, theoretically, right? you're trading Ayafalo for, for, for cap relief, theory, theoretically, is what you're doing. Well, that, that's not going to help the offense. So, no. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else relative to the cap is there, or, and the lineup? Is there anything you're worried about? Anything you're concerned about? You know, thoughts on playing Sean Walker over on the left side? He's done it before. Back when he was healthy, he did it. I just don't know what Sean Walker is at this point, Dennis. Was, mm-hmm. He came in. He was exciting. He, he gave them some offense. He looked to be a serviceable NHL defenseman. And and the, the last two years have just wrecked everything. So, recency bias i'm just not sure what's there with this player right now well on on august 6th i don't know i'll, I'll worry about it on october 6th i'll have my takes on october 6th so i i don't know it, it's he's an x factor I, they they believe he can go to the left side and play top four minutes we'll mm-hmm. find out i can't tell you yes or no I, I think we'll we'll learn a lot in training camp john and i think when we talk about preseason games that are meaningless they're not meaningless for sean walker i, I think you'll get to see what this guy's going to be about in training camp and more importantly in these preseason games, I assume he'd get a a long run in in the preseason. So what you're saying is context of a comment is very important. So when someone says training camp is not important, yeah, maybe for a a Kopitar or a Dowdy, it might not be as important, but it certainly is important for Victor Arvidsson. It certainly is important for Gabe Velarde, Leas Anderson, Jared Anderson, Nolan, players that are fighting for a roster spot or coming back from injury. Uh, let's take a quick, quick right here before we bring on our next guest and we will, uh, we'll wrap up the first period with this, uh, development camp took place recently, uh, following the draft development camp is a great time in the middle of the summer to get an opportunity to see some of the Kings prospects. Uh, we saw some of the, the kids that were recently drafted, but also due to COVID, we were able to see some of the players that haven't spent a lot of time in LA over the last couple of years. So it was nice to get all of those kids together. And then one other little footnote that I liked about development camp was what they did in terms of bringing in what I'll almost call the bubble players. They brought in uh, Bjornfoot. They brought in Kaliev. Yeah. They brought in Byfield. Um, they brought in kids that were there to provide leadership to those kids. And uh, Todd McClellan had a meeting with those four kids the the night before the on-ice sessions opened up. And he basically explained that to them and said, hey, look, you guys have had a taste at the NHL. Uh, you have an opportunity here to share some of your, I'm going to use the word wisdom, uh, really it's experience. You have a chance to mm-hmm. share some of your experiences um, with these players and let them know what they're going to be going through over the next couple of years, whether they're just now turning pro, whether they're going to be turning pro in a couple of years. Uh, and, and so it was interesting to see Kaliev and to see Byfield and to see uh, Bjornfoot, yep. et cetera, in, in those sort of leadership roles. It had been a while since we had seen those younger kids taking on those leadership roles just because development camp has been so wonky the last couple of years. Yeah, and when we saw Todd, we saw Todd the first day, and he slapped us on the back. I'm like, oh, coach, what's going on? And I asked him that question. like, Callie have played 80, 82 games last year, plus the playoffs. Like, why is he here? Expressly for that purpose. It wasn't punishment. And look, he can work on his game, too. 
But I think that's a great um, buffer for these young kids that it's not just a bunch of kids playing, right? Here's guys that played in the league against men and play, played against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and, and Darnell Nurse in the playoffs. So I think it's a, a really – and if they impart some wisdom, that would be that would be great. It's a, nice, it's a nice add to the development camp, and that's what development's about, right? This I think it also builds their the confidence the as well, because at some point we all keep talking about the the turning of the, uh, you know, the team over to the younger kids. It's not happening this year, but at some point sure. this is going to be Quentin Byfield's team. This will no longer be Kopitar mm -hmm. and Dowdy's team. It's going to be right. Byfield's team. It's going to be Phil Deneau's team. By the way, Phil Deneau, you think he gets a letter this year? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking to know probably is the leading candidate. Um, Anyway, so back to the point there. At some point, the, it, it does turn over to become those younger players it becomes their team so this is a good opportunity to build their confidence a little bit and just give them a little taste of of what it's like uh, totally 100 percent. how do you go wrong with with respect to that process you don't all right we'll talk a little bit more about development camp and more importantly we'll do our uh, true false but first on the other side of the break we're going to talk to jack hughes the la king's first pick at the 2022 nhl draft he's uh, a college hockey player from northeastern we'll catch up with jack we'll talk about development camp and get his thoughts on a few other things Welcome back, second period, Kings of the Podcast. And we're joined now by the first selection the LA Kings made at the 2022 NHL Entry Draft, taking 51st overall, Jack Hughes. Jack, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Well, first of all, thank you for finding the time to do this. Uh, we had limited time to catch up with you when you were in town recently for uh, development camp. It's a, it's a week that goes pretty quickly. Um, so... Let's uh, let's give L.A. Kings fans here an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better and, and that sort of thing. Uh, why don't we just start with development camp? Uh, it's a whirlwind leading into it. There's all the stress and the pressure of the draft that it happens. Then you know who you're selected by. And next thing you know, you're on an airplane and you're on your way to L.A. What was the experience like overall? Yeah, it was, it was definitely a crazy couple of days. Um, it was it was really exciting, um, obviously, to, to begin with, but. Um, just kind of the whole like thought of I don't know where I'm gonna go and then I'm gonna have to go there and within the next couple of days. <laughs> um, but it was it was a fun experience. Um, I had a lot of friends and family there, so um, they made it enjoyable the whole time. And then getting to go to LA after was really cool. Now I'm gonna throw a bunch of names at you throughout the interview, and I, I know you're still getting acclimated to the organization. You might not remember many of these people or even know them, so I'll help guide you through the process, but. Mark Unetti, who's the longtime L.A. Kings director of amateur scouting, he's from Massachusetts, and he's noted uh, at, at different times that they haven't really drafted a lot of kids out of that area. Has anybody mentioned to you uh, mentioned that to you up until now, and maybe any pressure that comes with uh, uh, being, you know, from Yanks uh, uh, sort of background or back uh, local area, if you will? 
Um, I ha- that, I think that's the first time I've heard that. Um, but no, it doesn't really, I guess, change anything for for me. Um, I I know I do know that there's only a couple, like at least when I was at camp, there was only two, like two or three guys who were from kind of my area. Yeah, and college kids, of course, always are in the minority when it comes to um, prospect pools across the organization. The Kings have done a fairly good job of uh, going after college. Uh, players, especially over the last maybe 15 years. And most of that has been through Tony Gasparini, who was uh, one of one of Unetti's right hands for a long, long time. Gaspo, of course, leaving. Uh, he's going to go become a general manager in the USHL. But what what was the, uh, any, any conversations, any memories you have of just uh, Gaspo trying to connect with you and get to know you through the discovery process prior to, to being selected by LA? Um. Honestly, I like leading up to to kind of the draft. I was I was sort of I was sort of thinking like trying to think of I guess of which which teams like I had talked to that went well, certain things like that. And uh, I like I couldn't really like think LA wasn't one of the first you know I guess teams that that came to mind. Like when I when I was looking back and, and thinking about it, um, it kind of made sense to me. I guess you know I thought it went. You know when I met with with them before, and you know at the combine, all that stuff. I thought it it, it went well, but it, it kind of I guess took me a little bit by surprise. But um, I don't really like that whole month or so. I guess leading up to it was uh, I guess a little bit of a blur, just trying to cram a lot of um, interviews and certain things like that into a short period of time. So I don't really recall like whom I spoke with and certain things like that. But, sure. um, so there's, there's, there's 32 teams uh, potentially that are chasing after you. I can understand why it would be a blur in the, in the month leading up to it. So take me as best you can to the exact moment. It's the second round, which is early Friday morning. Uh, the picks are ticking away, right? You know, 45, 46, the teams are flying by. You get to pick 51, LA Kings select Jack Hughes, what's the thought at that moment besides like, oh, wow, this is awesome. I've just been selected by an NHL team. But when it comes specifically to L.A., like what was the first thought as you try to think about like, okay, L.A. Kings, who's on the team? You know, who's there? Like what do you, what do you think in that exact moment? Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, very, very like at, at first I was kind of just relieved to, you know, it was going by very fast and, and then. I was a little bit just relieved to, to get picked, but, um, you know, I had talked to my dad, talked to Marty Louis, a couple other people after, you know, after the first round and the first night. Um, and they kind of all said the same thing to me. Like, it doesn't matter when you pick, it's about, you know, what team picks you and like what you do from now on to get better and to get there. Um, and right away I was, I was thinking to myself, like, this is, you know, this is great for me. Um, I don't like, I don't think I could end up in, in a better place. I, you know, I get to go to California. Um, they've always had a really great team. Um, and just sort of the whole, I guess, dynamic and, and I guess everything about, you know, LA and the Kings and everything that kind of surrounds the other sports teams and whatnot. Like I was kind of just, you know, I was thinking about LeBron and the Lakers and <laughs> things like that. And I was just, I was just fired up because I know how, you know, creative an organization it is and 
just just the place in general is a great place to be. Now, Jack, we don't know each other very well. We spent a little bit of time together, very, very little bit of time when you were here for development camp. So I'm just going to warn you up front, there's an indoctrination coming that really this is Dodger town when you get past the Kings. So QB's already figured it out. Kaliev's figured it out. They came into town rocking their Dodger hats. And so I know you won't be at rookie camp because of your commitment to Northeastern. But next, uh, next July, when we see you back in Los Angeles, I am expecting to see you wearing a Dodger hat. All right. I had a... Uh... I had a Clippers hat when I was there. My actually, my brother gave me one of his hats. He got a couple for his birthday in the very end of June. It was like, here, take this one. It's like uh, I like Clippers hat, and then whatever it was, a week later, ended up getting picked by them. It was kind of a crazy little divine intervention, right there. I, yeah, I actually do. I have a uh, I have a Dodgers hat here right next to me, actually. So I'm, I'll make sure to bring it with me next time I come. All right, there you go. And if you tweet out a photo of that uh, sometime between now and next June, we'll uh, we'll hit you on the retweet there. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned your dad. And for those that don't know, your dad is a former agent. He's now the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. How much of an advantage, and I don't know, maybe you don't even know how to answer the question, but how much of an advantage do you think that that gave you going into something like the Combine where you're going to be inundated with questions? And, you know, I don't think there's any way to prepare people for that until they go through it and just do you think that you had a little bit of an advantage though getting maybe some mentorship from him um i think so yeah i, I just you know he, he kind of always told me just be myself um and you know i, I kind of the whole i guess process you know it helped me get through that um you know with a good mindset and sort of thinking like no matter what happens, it's not going to change who I am as a, as a player or as a person. Um, I just need to, you know, work from where I am now. Um, no matter what happens, like if I don't keep working hard, then I'm not going to get to, you know, where I want to be. I'm not going to play in the national hockey league. Um, so kind of, uh, you know, like enjoy the process, be yourself, have fun. Um, and, and things will, you know, things will play out the way they do. There's nothing you can really do to change that. So um, he definitely helped me along the way. I think I got to see, you know, my all my teammates in Michigan the year before go through that process, kind of a little bit of the stress during the season and whatnot after the season. So um, I think that that helped me also just, kind of, just to kind of stay, I guess, level-headed and, not think about it too much or as best as I can keep it out of my mind during the season. Um, so, so they definitely helped. My dad definitely helped. It was kind of a, um, you know, I had a lot of, I guess, support in, in through that process. Let's talk about that stress a little bit, just because I don't think that players and or media maybe even talk about it enough and fans certainly don't think about it it's all fun in games right when you're when you're a fan and you're watching oh this guy went here and this guy went there and the mock drafts and all the talk leading up to the draft but it is pretty stressful like you said on the players you're going through this whirlwind of interviews you're you mentioned earlier also having to think about am i going to go here am i going to go there wow what would it be like to live in florida what would it be like to live in vancouver or you know la or, or dallas or wherever um What's that stress like? How do you manage the stress? Is it something where you try to consume as much information as possible to help sort of educate yourself and narrow things down? Or is it something where you try to block everything out and you don't even want to hear the word draft, <laughs> uh, you know, for the 30 days leading into it? Just how did you manage through that stress? And how much did it really eat away at you on a daily basis? Uh, yeah, it was definitely a little bit tough. Um, 
kind of, it's kind of like what I was saying before. Like I've been prepared for that and, you know, those kind of, I guess, thoughts that come into your head. Um, so, I mean, I, I was trying my best to focus on our season, um, Northeastern and, and what we were going to try to do as a group. Um, and I definitely got a little bit hard on myself at certain points in the season if I wasn't playing, you know, how I wanted to be playing or needed to be playing, certain things like that. But um kind of goes back to like, what I was saying before. It was, you know, it's not going to – how, well, you know, when I get drafted isn't going to change, you know, it's not going to change anything about my game. So um I just wanted to go about my season – you know, like it wasn't my draft year and just play hockey and have fun and, you know, obviously do the best that I could. Yeah. Um, you talked about trying to be yourself uh, off the ice. You know, you had the flow going there. You're one of the few guys who, who had some flow at, uh, at development camp. What, what's your deal on the hair? Are you just one of those guys like, yeah, whatever, I'm just letting it grow out? Or do you have a certain style you're going for? A guy, uh, Someone you're trying to pattern yourself after? What's your deal with the hair? Um, honestly, I had never really grown my hair out, uh, until COVID. So, um, I kind of just, I just wanted to see how long it could get and what it would look <laughs> like. So, um, I'm going to get, I think I'm going to do it again this season. I'm not, my hair's, I'm, I'm pretty due for a haircut right now, but I want to let it grow throughout, throughout the winter and see, uh, see what I can do with it. Just play around with it a little bit. When you say how long it can grow, like how long are you thinking here? Like this, this name might not resonate with you, but like long hair, we're talking like Mike Ricci, San Jose Sharks, you know, when it's well past the shoulders or, you know, what, what are you thinking oh, about? No. no, my hair, my hair grows more up than it does down. <laughs> so I get, it gets all, it gets puffy, it's curly and thick. So I kind of just, I'm usually wearing a hat, but I'm, I'm more worried about, or thinking about what my hat or my hair looks like in my helmet, opposed to anything else. All right, so you might need a bigger helmet this year, is what you're saying, because the hair is going to start might, taking yeah. up a lot of a lot of space in there. Uh, yeah. The Kings have not historically had a lot of prospects from Northeastern. The uh, the one recent one that comes to mind would be Tyler Madden, and I'm just curious uh, when he saw another Northeastern guy get selected, did Ty happen to reach out to you at all and welcome you to the Kings organization, or no? Uh, he didn't. No, I didn't really. Um, I think I'd maybe met him one time um, years ago, but our, my, I think my brother played with him for one year, but we never really um, like crossed paths or anything. Okay. Uh, sticking with Northeastern, though, you guys do have an opportunity, or at least you did last year, and I'm, I haven't looked at the schedule this upcoming season, but I would assume you're you're playing UMass Lowell again. Um, UMass Lowell, Andre Lee, uh, Ben Meehan, uh, two, two players from the Kings prospect pool that are there. What do you remember about playing against Andre Lee? You can't miss him when he's out there on the ice. I think he's around six eleven now. He keeps he keeps growing. Yeah, he's a dangerous player. Um, kind of every time you play against Lowell, you know it's going to be a hard game. It's going to be physical, um, but he's always he's pretty much he's not the only guy, but he's kind of the one guy that you're always kind of watching out for, like. He's big and can shoot the puck, but he's also skilled and he can also make plays. Um, so he's, I don't know, he was always very dangerous when we played him. Um, him, Ben, always pretty hard to play against. He's strong, physical demon. Um, so those two guys and that kind of team in general is always uh, always kind of a battle uh, playing against them. But um, 
yeah, he he towers over me. It's not even <laughs> it's not it's not even close. But uh, they're both really good players. Because I'm assuming it's a little less scary though. Uh, when you were positioned on the opposite side of the room of where he was in Dev Camp in the room, so is it a little less scary when you're looking across the room, knowing that you guys are at least on the same team when you're at Dev Camp versus looking across <laughs> the ice and knowing that he's going to run you over? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. Um, we had I've I've skated with him in the summers past and in scrimmages or whatnot, so I've always kind of been. I guess familiar with him and, and his game. Uh, Mian didn't score too many goals last year for Lowell, but he did happen to score an overtime winner against you guys. Um, does that is that still sitting with you a little bit? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and, and any good chirping going on there at development camp regarding that? Um, no, there was back sort of when it happened. Uh, that was that was a tough one. That was a tough pill for for me to swallow that night. I thought I was playing really well. Um, and then I end up making the mistake on the um, on the overtime goal, and of, and of course it was Ben that, that ended up scoring it. Um, so he threw a little a little chirp at me. There's a picture too of of uh, kind of them scoring and me sitting right there in front of the net with the puck in the net. So that one I'll, I'll remember that next year for sure when we play low. All right. Well, I won't use that picture to promote the podcast. Then how's that? <laughs> Please don't. Yeah. Uh, One last question on Northeastern. I'm just curious. um, You know, OHL, WHL, hockey fans sort of look at those stats and and, and try to draw uh, information or comparables and that sort of thing. College hockey is just a different sort of game. Um, 39 games played for you last year, seven goals, 16 points. As you head into this season, what are some of the goals, uh, you know, that you have personally for yourself? After this, Upcoming season? Yeah, for this season. Bu- building um, off of last year. Sorry, I didn't do a good transition there. Yes, bad host. So you made a mistake in overtime, and I made a mistake in setting up the question. Um, so let's do it again. Hey, Jack, last year, 39 games, you had uh, seven goals, six, uh, 16 points. Uh, how do you want to build upon that going into this season? <laughs> um, I think, I mean, obviously, I think if I'm playing how I want to play, um, I'm going to produce more than I did this past season. Um, that's not necessarily like one of my goals. Um, I wouldn't say I have anything really specific in mind of, of what I want to do next year. I want to, you know, I want to play a big role on, on this team, um, on a successful team. And that's at the top of my list. Like I want to, I want to win a national championship with this team. Um, and that's, you know that's everyone's goal. That's that's what our goal was last year, and that's what it's going to be again this year. Um, and I think you know I think we have a, a chance, and I think we have the group to do that. So um, that's kind of you know at the top of my list. I need to do whatever I can and what I need to do to help the team. Um, but other than that, I wouldn't say I have anything really um, you know specific that that I want to do next year. So drafted as a center, but from what I understand, you can be used center or wing. Were you used as a wing at all uh, last year? I was not, no. Okay. Is that something that you have an interest in, or is it just something that, no, you have a, a strong preference and you feel that your 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 game is better suited to be a center? Um, I, I, I mean, I think I'm a centerman, but um, I'm not, I guess, opposed to, you know, playing the wing. Um, it's just something I haven't really done much, so I'd have to get, you know, a little bit adjusted to it, but. 
Yeah. Um, if you if you reflect back on development camp, what would be some of maybe two or the three takeaways? You had a chance to to meet a lot of people from you know Todd McClellan, Jared Stoll, Mike Donnelly. Any any sort of nuggets that stick with you? Um, I would say. I mean, I, I would say for me and, and hockey wise, something that I wanted to work on going into the camp and going into this next season is playing with more pace, moving my feet more, um, staying in motion, things like that. And um, like one of the takeaways from the camp was that just everyone's fast, everyone plays hard, um, everyone's always moving their feet. So, you know, you want to keep up with the pace, you have to, you got to work hard, you got to skate a lot. Um, so that was, that was one thing that kind of, you know, said to me like, okay, I need to keep working on this. Um, still needs to be, you know, at the top of my list of things I need to keep doing. Um, and another thing was just like getting to, getting to watch, um, you know, guys like Kaliev and, and Byfield and Spence and all those guys and guys who have played an NHL game. Um, you just kind of, you know, see how they go about every day, no matter, like, no matter what it is, if it's in the gym or it's on the ice, like they're just looking to improve. Um, and they've, they've played NHL games and they're still, you know, they're, they're there, but they're not quite there. Like they're just, you know, they're trying to get, do everything that they can to, to, to play in the NHL to stay there. Um, and it kind of just showed me that no matter where I get to or where I'm at, I got to keep, got to keep working, got to keep trying to improve. Now, here on mayorsmanner.com, uh, we, we pride ourselves in being the, you know, the gurus, the experts on the LA Kings prospect pool. A lot of that has to do with tapping into various sources. And I'm just going to read something to you from probably one of our most trusted sources uh, as an NHL scout who um, looks for prospects, American-born prospects, players in college. This is what they had to say about you. Highly competitive, defining trade along with high hockey sense and skill. Um Played top two role last year as one of the youngest players in uh, NC2A hockey. Needs to work on strength, quickness, but makes a ton of plays and contributes on both sides of the puck. Would you consider that to be a fair and accurate assessment? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, if you wanted to add one thing to that, what would it be? Um, I think... I don't know. I think, I think personally, I think my hockey sense is, is my strongest asset um and i think that i think it allows me to you know create space um create small area plays you know whether it's on the wall in the neutral zone open ice in the ozone uh, i think i can create you know space for my line mates my teammates i think that's you know part of what i do well and, and how i create offense um but I, I think it definitely needs to say that i need to shoot more <laughs> in there somewhere because that's something I've been trying to change for a little bit now. All right. Well, then you'll probably like what Mike Donnelly told me uh, after camp. I asked him about you, and he said, look, you made some good plays. Uh, that's what he excels at. Said that you uh, you know, have a good look around the net, but that you're a pass-first guy. You're trying to create offense for your line mates. Said you had really good vision and really good hockey sets. So I think you would probably agree with that then. Yeah, I would. All right, and of course, my assessment on Twitter was the fact that you were excited that the Kings provided sunscreen on the annual beach day there on Thursday. So that was a good sign after Toffoli uh, ended up like a lobster burnt many, many years ago. I think the team has wised <laughs> yeah. up now, so they, they now pass out sunscreen to you guys. Uh, I want to wrap this up. I really appreciate your time. I want to wrap it up with uh, at least a, just one or two questions about going to Team USA camp. 
it, it was looking from the outside. It had to be this weird experience because normally World Junior Camp or the process of making the World Junior Team it's very linear. People go to the evaluation camp in July or August, and then that group is paired down to the selection camp in December. That group is paired down. The team is announced, and the World Juniors begin. Um, this year, because of the pandemic and everything else, you have this weird thing where two groups were there at the same time being evaluated. Team Canada came out and really basically said, hey, look, uh, although all the players are in camp together, Group A is going to be for uh, really, you know, this August World Juniors and Group B, they're competing for the, the team in December. The Team USA stuff didn't really clearly spell that out, although there was an unwritten sort of understanding that the majority of the team from last year was was going to return. I'm asking you as a player, when you went to camp, was there an expectation like, hey, maybe I'm fighting for a spot on the August team or was it made clear to you, hey, Jack, you're here auditioning for the, uh, you know, the December team for the 2023 World Junior Team? Um, I mean, it wasn't necessarily made, um, like, clear. Like, no one was saying, hey, you're here just for this team or whatnot. Um, and, you know, there's inner squad scrimmages for, for both teams. Um, and they didn't have, you know, enough guys. So guys from the 23 or trying out for the 23 team played, you know, some games with, with the 22 team. So it was, you know, I, I think, or I thought, I guess that, you know, I think I'm a good enough player. Like I could play on that team. So, um, you know, I wanted to, to go and, and act like I was trying out to, to play on that team in August. Uh, I wouldn't say I expected to to make that team uh, because I wasn't at the tryout last summer, but um, there was no one really saying like, "Hey, you're here for this or, or for that." It was kind of like, "Here's your chance. You got an opportunity to try out. Show us what you got." So, if I paraphrased your words a little bit, there were nights when you went to bed kind of daydreaming, like, "Hey, I I might make this August team." Sorry, pardon me. I, I said, so if I paraphrase your words a little bit, there were nights during the camp where you went to sleep thinking, you know what, I might just make this August team. Um, sort of. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of like the kind of the mindset that I wanted to go into it with. Um, like, I have a chance to make this team. That's what I'm here to do. Um, but I, I wouldn't say I had a, any sort of, uh, I guess, expectation or thought that I was like, hey, I, I have a chance. It was more of like, give yourself a chance, I, I sure, guess. Sure. Um, have you OD'd on Chipotle yet? Yeah, I had a lot of Chipotle <laughs> when I was there. Do you, do you have a, a, a go-to favorite at Chipotle or at this point you're just Chipotle'd out for, for a couple weeks at least? Uh, I'm Chipotle'd out for a little bit. No, I had it like eight times. <laughs> I need I need a little break. All right. All right. So the last question is this then, Jack. Uh, we always like to give uh, our current guests an opportunity to set up future guests. So uh, we're looking to track down Kenny Connors. He is uh, another uh, LA Kings draft pick from this this summer. He was also there with you at Team USA uh, at, the, at the camp. And hopefully uh, the two of you will both make Team USA for the World Juniors here in December. But... Give me a good Kenny Connor story that uh, you know I can bring up when we have Kenny on the show here in the weeks and months ahead. Um, I I don't know him too well, but I grew up playing against him uh, a lot, um, and he was always kind of growing up like 
he was always like, Hey, like watch out for this guy. Like he, if, if your head's down, he's going to catch you. So, um, that's kind of all I really got. Um, I guess for him until I get to know him a little bit better, but he was always a big hitter when we were younger. Um, and he's definitely he's definitely blown me up a couple times in my day. <laughs> so, so Jack, what I'm hearing is that development camp, you, you had a little bit of PTSD as you're navigating on, on the ice out there. You have Andre Lee out there. He's gunning for you. You have Kenny Connors. He's gunning for you. You had uh, Hellenius, who's a big kid. Um, so th- there, there were a lot of uh, landmines to try to avoid when you were here at development camp. It wasn't all fun and games and hanging out at the beach. That's the sense I'm getting. Yeah, it was definitely competitive. <laughs> Sounds good. Jack, I'm going to let you run. I really appreciate it. Enjoy the tiny little bit of the summer that you have left. Uh, it's been full tilt hockey for you for a long time, but uh, welcome to the LA Kings organization. Look forward to catching up with you during the season, and maybe you can give us an update on how things are going in Northeastern. Awesome. Thanks so much. There you go. The Jack Hughes. We'll be back after the break with more Kings of the Podcast. to the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. All right, welcome back, third period. And thank you so much to Jack Hughes for jumping on there. It's been a very busy uh, summer for Jack Hughes. He's, as he was explaining there, he's been drafted following the end of his regular season. And then, you know, right away comes to LA. He's going to development camp. And then he went to Team USA camp. Uh, By the way, Dennis, before we get to the true false here, quick couple of comments on world juniors we do have the world junior tournament it still sounds so yes. weird coming up in the middle of august. august so the reason that we're jamming this show in is i'm uh i'm on a plane soon here i'm up to uh edmonton woo, for uh the world junior championships in the middle of the summer this is the redo of the tournament that was canceled last uh december january due to of course the uh, global pandemic so we're gonna wind it back and do it again team usa probably outside of goaltending is the team to beat but man, that goaltending is uh, very questionable. And so we're going to have to see what happens there. It was a confusing time as I was sharing there with Jack. It's a confusing time for people following the camps because teams right, like right. Canada and the U.S. were evaluating players for two world juniors simultaneously. Normally, yes. the August camp is for the December world juniors. Sure. So they were trying to look at kids like Jack Hughes, uh, among others, like Brant Clark for Canada for the upcoming world juniors in December, not necessarily for the world juniors that are going on starting next week. Uh, This thing's going to kick off on Tuesday, Dennis team USA uh, right out of the gate. They play Uh, Canada doesn't play until Wednesday. It's all being played in one city, which is also a little bit unique. It was originally Mm going to be in Edmonton and red deer. And you would have two pools that were playing. You're going to have everybody all in one city. I think that's going to be pretty cool. Um, It's going to limit it though, to three games per day where normally there are four games per day, two in each city. Three games per day reminds me of going to the Olympics. Uh, When you go to the Winter Olympics, you actually attend three games in one day. And it sounds daunting to attend three hockey games in one day. But, Dennis, I have to tell you, the games are so exciting. And it's so much fun that 
it's it's never boring and you never feel tired. You just you just grind out the three games and then you wake up the next day and you do another three games. Speak for yourself, John. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I, I will say I know the, the global yes. the, the global political issues with bringing Russia to the tournament. I clearly get that. I'm only speaking sure. from a hockey perspective. It, it is a little disappointing that Russia is not in the tournament only because the Russian yeah. teams are always so you know competitive that it gives yeah. you yet another sort of uh, a round of games to look forward to whatever pool they're in here the big games now would basically be between u.s canada sweden finland you can sort of rotate those four teams apologies of course to uh the czech team apologies to the slovakian team mm -hmm. they're kind of in that you know next tier and switzerland yeah. always seems to rise up and scare everybody at the uh, international tournaments so it's going to be fun latvia is in the tournament i think austria is in the tournament there are some other teams. I don't think Belarus, I could be wrong, um, is in this year. Again, I've been mainly focusing on the teams that would most likely have LA Kings prospects. Uh, Helga sure. Granz is going to play for Sweden. Uh, the big man, Sammy Hellenius, is going to play for Finland, as is Casper uh, Simon Teibel. And uh, the, the pre-tournament games are already underway and just about wrapped up. And uh, Team USA did lose to Finland. Casper Simon Teibel scored the first goal of the game, also picked up an assist later. So Finland... Much to the to the delight of Christian Rutu, looks to be uh, a competitive team again this year at the World Junior Tournament TV. Yeah, I made a lot of friends in Edmonton over the last uh, three or four months, given the fact that I went there late in the season and the playoffs and the conference finals. So um, I, I've had enough of Edmonton for a while, John. So okay. enjoy Edmonton. Uh, I'll give you some names. Go to make sure you go to Joey's Bell Tower right next to the arena um, for your pre and post game. Uh, uh, dining and, and drinks so it's a good joint that we have a lot of friends over there so it's, look it, it's it's a great facility it's um but they're also playing at another they're playing at the what centrum or somewhere else too as no, well this time around they're only playing at rexall so everything is taking place at the oilers arena okay yeah it's, it's a great it's a great setup so you should have a lot of fun and it's, you'll have great weather as well yeah, it'll be it'll be fine. Um, our buddy Hammer from Violent Gentleman has already connected me with a couple of the uh, Edmonton locals that he's buddies with. They have a podcast, I guess, lined up. I'll be a guest on yeah. somebody's podcast. There's a great coffee shop. Uh, of course, uh, the last World Juniors in Vancouver, all I wanted to talk about was Waves Coffee, which was a cool yeah. little coffee shop for the lady that told me to walk past Starbucks to get the better coffee. Nothing compares to Dutch Brothers uh, when, no, terms when you're not. out on the road, but yeah, for you, Starbucks no. is the benchmark. Is it better than that? So if you're a coffee snob out there and you're listening to this and you have a recommendation, please tweet me. Uh, I'm looking for good eateries in Edmonton. Yes, TV. Now, now, when you mentioned Hammer, did you see that Hammer drank Diet Coke out of the Stanley Cup? <laughs> I did. Yes, with I did. Yeah. And he was on the boat when I guess he was wakeboarding with the cup because uh, Josh Mintz is one of his... Best bud. So it was a lot. It was really great to see it. Well, it's funny. Um, and uh, I'm going to chirp hammer now. I probably should have told him this privately, but a uh, couple couple uh, weeks back, I was I uh, was at the shop at VG, and uh, yeah. Manson happened to show up. And and Hammer sort of fanboyed out. He saw him walking up the parking lot and his arm was extended like I thought his arm was going to pop out of his socket. And he was like waving high as he was walking. If you've ever been there, it's a long, long driveway from from where you park up until actually mm -hmm. entering into the warehouse. And so I don't know, it's probably the length of a football field, but his arms like popping out of his socket as he's waving to Josh Manson as he's walking up. He was super, super stoked to see him. That was a couple weeks back. But uh, yeah, you know, um, Hammer, of course, was secretly hoping uh, and praying that. Manson was going to return to Anaheim and uh, instead he ended up signing a good deal there with, with Colorado. And sure. that's the problem when teams trade you, Dennis, we talked about this. They trade you hoping to resign you, 
but you get to that new team <laughs> and kind of feels good to be wanted. It does kind of feel good. And, and the, the reverse of that would be a guy like uh, David Perron, who everybody thought was go back to St. Louis. And St. Louis said, well, okay. And now you're in Detroit. So, yeah, so it never <laughs> happens, right? We always talk about, oh, you could trade a guy he's going to come back. Like, when? When does he come? They don't come back. They, 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 especially given where Anaheim is and given where Colorado is. Wow. And he got the right price. So good for Josh Manson. He already won a cup there, and he's going to try to win a second one uh, um, next season. Yeah, for sure. And he's in a pretty good situation, right? He's surrounded by a good organization, a good group oh, of yeah. guys. And, and it's a good area like that. You know, I mean, you could be in a far worse city in the in the National Hockey League than uh, being there in, in, in Denver and that whole sort of surrounding area. What so a he's sports in a good... town. You know that. You're a Broncos yeah. fan. It's an amazing sports town with respect to their uh, the, the way these fans love the sports. It's probably well, it's a higher level in Seattle because there's more sports, but it, it's a great sports town. I've been there a bunch of times. You have too. It's a, it's a nice place. You're right for, for just mentioned to be. Yeah. All right. DB, the, uh, the heart and soul of the third period here today is going to be the J con slash uh, boomer Gordon. Oh yeah. True false list. Now uh, you and I were speaking off air before and, and I didn't really go through the list. So this is all going to be off the cuff. Uh, you're yeah. you're going to, you did the same thing. We didn't study ahead of time. So this is all straight up. So here we go. There are 50 true false questions. Uh, feel free to weigh in. I'm going to let you go first on a couple of these here. Uh, first question. There will be two new teams in the cup final. True or false? True. Damn you. I'm going to, I was going to say true too. Uh, <laughs> I don't think Tampa would be back, but I do, I do lean towards Colorado as yeah, a maybe, but it's so two. damn tough right. to get back. So I'm going to say true. Two new teams. All right. Next up. Matthews will score 60 goals again. True or false? False, because he's going to get injured. He won't play 82 games. He won't get 60. He'll be in the high 50s. Okay. I'm going to say true, uh, because I think they're going to need to rely on him heavily. Next one. Okay. Goudreau's new team, the Columbus Blue Jackets, will have more points than his old team, Calgary. That's a great question. Uh, false. Yeah. They're not I, I have to go false, but here's the thing. It feels like a trap question. It feels right. like I'm saying yes. false, but in November, I'm going to be like saying to myself, damn it, why didn't I say true? I should have seen this coming. Yeah, well, hey, good job, Alan Walsh, getting his man 10.5 mil for eight years. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Absolutely. You know what's the most upset about that, John? The Edmonton Oilers fans that thought that Calgary was done. I guess they're not done anymore. So we'll see. <laughs> no, no, they they they're they're looking fine. Uh, all right. Question four: Eichel will finish top twenty in NHL scoring. You go first. I'm going to say false, and here's why: I just don't have a lot of confidence in Vegas right now. They've done a partial implosion. There could be a full blown implosion that's coming. I I just it doesn't the, don't get good vibes off that team right now. So I'm going to say false. Okay, if anybody knows me for a minute, they know I'm going to say true on Jack Eichel. All right. Uh, <laughs> next up, Jack Campbell will win more games than Matt Murray. Uh, I'm going true. Um, See, Edmonton, I'll, I don't hate you. I said I, true. I'll go, I'll go false because I think Toronto will have a better record than, than Edmonton. Okay, they might have a better record, but is Murray going to get more of those wins? So the yeah, we'll saying yes. how many? Yeah, Sam Sonoff is going to play more than the. I don't even right. know who they have. This, this okay. Oh, uh, 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 Stuart Spencer, whatever his name is. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Uh, number six, Makar will win his second Norris Trophy. 
True. I'm saying true. Yeah, he was John. He was just. I watched him the two games in the in the conference final in Edmonton, and then the every game in the Cup final. The kid is just amazing. And I keep going back to that one play. It was, I think, game two in Denver against uh, uh, Edmonton in the Western Conference final. And Connor came down the right side, and he lowered his shoulder. He's going to make that typical move and put the puck in the back of the net. And with with looked like no effort, Kale McCarr just knocked the puck off his stick. I'm like, okay, so there's one guy in the league that can make that play at that speed, and it's Kale McCarr. He was just magnificent, and he was a joy to watch. Okay, next up, Florida, Tampa, Toronto, and Boston will make up the top four in the Atlantic. Again, that was Florida, Tampa, Toronto, and Boston will make up the top four in the Atlantic. False. Boston will not be in the top four. Okay. I say true because I look at the rest of the Atlantic and you're talking about Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, and Montreal. So who's going to knock Boston out? Yeah, I'm just, there's just someone, there's injuries though with respect to that. And uh, I, because I don't think Marshawn's going to start the season, even though he was dancing at, uh, at a wedding here a couple of weeks ago with uh with Rask and Lucic and McAvoy had an injury and so a surgery. And so did uh, uh, Riley. I, I think that if one team falls out, it's going to be Boston. So we'll see. I would agree that one team, if, if, if one team was to fall out, it would be Boston, but here's the problem. DB you're talking about a, almost a 30 yeah, point difference. Not almost. Yeah. You are. You're talking about a 30 point, more than 30 point difference between four and five last year. So mm-hmm. one of Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa and Montreal would have to take a significant step up and Boston would have to take a significant fall backwards. Hey, speaking of weddings uh, real quickly, I didn't mention this in the first period. Uh, we do have a slew of guests that are lined up that we're just trying to coordinate around their summer plans. We still have uh, Todd McClellan scheduled to come on the program soon probably have to do that after world juniors. Uh, we still also have Kevin Fiala. We had to uh, navigate around his uh, wedding, I guess. Uh, so we'll have him on in a couple of weeks as well. So we have, we have more guests coming up on Kings of the podcast throughout the summer. Let's just get on the other side of the world juniors. Next question here, DB number eight, Rangers will win the metropolitan division. I no, say because let, yeah, go ahead. true. I say true. Okay. Uh, no, because I say false because the last time I checked Carolina got Max patch ready and Brent Burns, they're going to win the division. Okay, so you're going Carolina for the repeat of the division. Um, And that also would mean that uh, you don't think Pittsburgh or Washington or even the Islanders has done enough to knock off the Rangers. Uh, The Islanders are interesting. We'll see if they're going to sign. I assume they're going to sign Nas Kadri with Nas. They they could be the second team in the division, but I still like Carolina. Remember, John, the team with the most regulation wins last year wasn't Tampa, wasn't Colorado, wasn't Florida, was the Carolina Hurricanes. And I think they got better with those two guys. Okay, so there you go. Uh, let's see what's next here. McKinnon will get an extension done for over eleven million per per year. He's not going to get over eleven million per per year. Yeah, I say I said false. I just don't think that that's the way that Colorado rolls. Exactly. And Uberdo got ten and a half, and he was what? He had one hundred and fifteen points. So no, I, I don't. I agree. I, not for that reason, John, but for the reason you said. That's not how they roll. All right, a coach will be fired before December 1st. First, of course. Of yes, of course. True, of course. It's the NHL. <laughs> you always have to take true on that, right? It might happen before November 1st. Um, <laughs> both Pittsburgh and Washington make the playoffs. Uh, I don't see how Washington, even with Darcy Kemper, I don't see how Washington makes the playoffs because, you know, um, uh, Nick Backstrom had that hip resurfacing injury uh, surgery. I think one player's come back from that, and that was uh, Jovo at Jovanovski, and he played 40 games. Uh, I think they're in trouble. And not only that, 
uh, Tom Wilson had ACL surgery. Uh, he's not going to be at the beginning of the season. I, I think they'll fall out. Pittsburgh, yeah, I, look, they, they keep the band together. I don't know. They're not going to win in the playoffs, but I think they make the playoffs. Yeah, I said false on that one as well, because if you look at the top of that division with Carolina and the Rangers, and we already mm-hmm. talked about them, you know, being the, the cream of the crop there, that leaves Pittsburgh and Washington as the three and four. Uh, but that means that you're excluding the Islanders, you're excluding the Blue Jackets as well. And then that doesn't even yeah. talk about uh, what would happen over on the Atlantic side. And, and if you believe that the top four, uh, Florida, Toronto, Tampa and Boston all stick yeah. in the Atlantic. That does leave four spots in the East, which, you know, really only leaves two because Carolina and the Rangers take two of those four. So it's Pittsburgh, Washington, the Islanders and Columbus. How confident are you that it's Pittsburgh and Washington? So uh, I, I said false. That's not going to happen. Um, that both Pittsburgh and Washington make it. Number 12, Patrick Kane will be on the Blackhawks roster on opening night. I say true. Oh, that's a great question. I, I think he would have been traded already through free agency. So I, I, I say that he's going to get traded. He won't finish the season as a Blackhawk. He will probably start the season as a Blackhawk. There's nothing more than to pump up his value. Yeah, I would agree with you completely there. Uh, Trevor Zegers down in Anaheim will go over three and a half on the Michigan goals. So this is an over-under Michigan goals from Zegers. The over-under is three and a half. Do you take the over or the under? I take the under. I take the under because people are going to see that shit coming. It's not going to happen anymore. So he's going to have to figure out a different move. Maybe the uh, North Dakota. <laughs> I also I also think the coaching staff is going to try to uh, get him to become a, a, a more typical NHL player. If you Agreed. if you read between the lines there. Um, totally. Hey, speaking of over under DB, you have to love the bookies. You know what the over under was on the Dodger game last night? This is the uh, game one of them coming home, playing the Padres, you know, the, the, the big bad Padres that went out and. Uh, added more big ni- big name players to their roster, but they end up being the same old Padres. The Dodgers smacked them around. But what was the what was the over under? Do you know on that game last night? Because I on do. Runs? It's, yeah, the over under on the runs last night. Total runs. I don't total know. score. The over under on that game was eight. Of course. Of course it was. <laughs> and they scored a meaningless run in the ninth to go over. Yes. So it's an eight one final. The Dodgers win. They go over. It's just, it's crazy. Like if you would have looked at that coming in, you would have gone, oh, I don't know. It's going to be an emotional night, a slow start. You know, yeah. it felt like a four, two game sort of going into it. No, the Dodgers right. explode for four runs in the first inning. A couple innings later, they add four more runs. Uh, by the way, PJ had to be happy. Will Smith, I think had a couple of RBIs last yes. night. Oh, yeah. Runs. So, yeah, she, yes. so she's happy. Will Smith. So uh, yeah. All right. Over under on the Michigan was three and a half. We both took the under uh, next one. Every team this is a good one. Every team will register at least 58 points. Now, last year, the low team in the league was, I believe, 55, if I'm not mistaken, which was Montreal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last year was 55, Montreal. I, I will say false because I'm, 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 I'm betting on Arizona. <laughs> Arizona had continue. 57 points last year. So you think in their new barn, which will be packed every night with 5,000 people, you say that they're going to score oh, go. less than 58 points. I believe they're not going to be any better. Correct. Okay. Uh, did, by the way, did you see Austin Matthews comments the other day saying that he wouldn't mind signing there when his contract runs out in Toronto? Okay. Sure. Yeah. Who who says that years in advance to try to get to try to get all the talk going? Oh man, I don't know who is in a, a greater uh, you know fever pitch at that point. If it was the people in Arizona or the people in Toronto, and I say that tongue in cheek because we, we come to LA, John. John, any coming to LA? He, oh, he wants to come to the West Coast. So it's going to be what Arizona, Anaheim, LA. I mean, maybe Vegas. Uh, I guess you could consider uh, San Jose. 
you know, close to home. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I I think it'll be a, a Southwest type team. But Arizona, really? I mean, that's a lot's going to have to change in the next three years in order for that to happen. <laughs> but uh, we'll save that for a different podcast. That'll be it for episode 233, maybe 333, Dennis. <laughs> that's that's a that's a ways down the road. Kick that can down the road for now. Um, next up. Uh, Peter DeBoer's new team, which is the team in Dallas, will have more points than his old team in Vegas. Um, false, I'm going to say true, think, by the way. What are you going with? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going with false. I think Vegas will have a better year. I, okay. I, I'm saying it, true. It, nothing for, from an injury standpoint, they were really banged up. I'm not, everybody knows I'm not a fan of Robin Leonard, and he's never going to win a championship there. I just think that even with the subtractions, I think they'll have more, because I'm not a big fan of Dallas at this point. Yeah. Uh, Sinbin, Ken over at the Sinbin, which is one of the, yeah. the, the main websites uh, that covers the Vegas Golden Knights, and they do a phenomenal job. Uh, Ken can be a little off his rocker at times. We've had him on the program here. Uh, he did tweet out the other day, Dennis, I don't know if you saw this, his predictions, this is early August, predicting the season uh, standings, and he has the LA Kings atop yeah. the Pacific Division, finishing ahead of the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, if that's not surprising enough to you, he also has, I believe, the Dallas Stars as the top seed in the Western uh, yes, he did. Which, yep. which is which is probably more about his commentary about Peter DeBoer than anything else. Well, look, he, if he can get a price on that on that team, then I, I would I would run to his local casino there and uh, get a price on Dallas winning the West. Yeah, well, if anybody can get a price on it, it would be him, considering where he lives in there in Sin City. Um, next up, Kreider will score more than forty-two point five goals. This is a very specific question, so the over/under forty-two point five. I'm going to take the under. I'm going to think I'm going to say over. I, really? I love that player. Yeah. I, I think he can go back to back with that team. I, I just think there's enough. I think he's going to, was it a career year? We'll find out, but I think he can, he can be a 45 to 50 goal scorer. He's just, he's just that good. And I think the, he'll take advantage of the power play as well. Yeah. I'm, I, I love the player too. I just think that getting over 42 goals is, uh, is still quite the feat in the national hockey league. Next one. I'm just going to tell you right off the bat before I even read it. It's true, true and true. World Cup of Hockey will be announced before Christmas, Dennis. This is the 2024 World Cup. Okay. Then I have to go with what with, with, you're, you're not just saying that, John. Say it. You must have some sources that lead you to believe that you're going to do that. So I will, I'll be honest I will, with you. I, I don't have a source. I just love the damn World Cup so much that I don't want to wait until All-Star wanna? Weekend okay. for them to announce it, which is more like the NHL to announce it at All-Star Weekend that, yes, hey, we're not going to play the All-Star game next year. We're going to do the World Cup of Hockey instead, which uh, Dave Panyota from the fourth period has been saying is the plan now. It feels like for five years. So it's going to come true at some point. But yeah, I'm just saying before December or before Christmas because I want to hear about it now. So that's my only reasoning. No sources on this. Uh, I'll I'll jump on board with you on that. Okay. Next up, Flyers, the Flyers, John Tortorella's Flyers, uh, the Broad Street Bullies will finish last in the Metropolitan Division, Dennis. They'll easily finish last, John. <laughs> well, right, for those that aren't familiar with the Metropolitan Division, the aforementioned Carolina Hurricanes, New York Rangers, Penguins, and Cap uh yeah, Capitals are up at the top of that. And then you have the Islanders, Columbus. New Jersey and the Flyers. Uh, that's how they finished last year. So if you're not saying that that is going to be true, that means you think that the Flyers are going to leap over the Devils or mm -hmm. the Blue Jackets or the Islanders, yeah. Uh, yeah. most likely. I, I have to go false there, DB. I just I don't know why I would have any other reason unless li I lived in Philly. What other reason would I have to believe that the Flyers are going to leapfrog one of those teams right now? Wait, you're going to say false or true? 
Uh, I'm saying true. I'm sorry. The Flyers will yeah, finish yeah. last. I'm saying true. The only shot they have is Jersey. They finished two points behind Jersey. I think Jersey is going to be better. I don't think the Flyers are going to be better. Uh, I, yeah. I think it's going to be more entertaining. Just, just two seconds on the on the Flyers. It's sure. so sad to see like a team that wasn't engaged and to see Wells Fargo that empty because I watched a lot of their games on the package last year. It's just because you know I grew up in Central Jersey. When I was a, in college, I was a Flyers fan. To see the uh, the lack of interest, the apathy towards that team by that fan base is, I don't know, tragic. It, it's like yeah. you – I expect to see Phil Buildings in Philadelphia for that team and to see how they played and the lack of – look, had to do with the coach, and certainly John's going to get a more engaged team there. But it's just – it's kind of sad to see that many empty seats in Philadelphia for that team. Yeah, he will get the team more engaged, and the team, I think, will be more exciting, more interesting. Uh, but – do they have the roster to be able to do it? And so that's why, yeah, I think for right now, no, no. Bar- barring some sort of trade that we don't see. I mean, we talked earlier about Patrick Kane. I don't know. Um, again, no sources no. here. I'm just saying it would have to be a monumental trade. Tweaking things at the margins is not going to be enough at this point to, no. to get me excited. Okay, this next question. Let me set the table for you. Point, point total last season. Connor McDavid, 123. Right behind him, uh, Huberto and Goudreau at 115 points. So 123 last year for McDavid, followed by two guys at 115. The question is, will Connor McDavid go over 118.5? So 119 points or better for Connor McDavid next season. He's Connor McDavid. Of course he will. You're saying true. I'm going to say false. I'm going to go with false. Really? So I'm trying to steer myself. Because if he's playing 82 games, he's going to get more than 118 points. All right. Well, I'm I'm trying to endear myself to everybody at Edmonton before before uh, jumping on a plane. Um, the Central Division will put five teams in the playoffs. Uh, no, because false. I think the yeah, a false because I think the West is better. I mean, the Pacific is better. So yeah. yes, I I think it buys four and four. All right, Pasternak will sign an extension with the Bruins during the season. True or false? Uh, false. I'm going to say true. They're going to find a way to get it done. Uh, next one, uh, Boudreaux will lead the Canucks to the playoffs. Um, true, because I think they're going to be the fourth team out of the Pacific, so I'll say true. Ah, well, let's stop and pause on this for a second, because who are the four teams? The three teams that made it and Vancouver. Okay, so you have Vegas out of the playoffs, so you're still on the – you're still on the uh... – the anti-Leonard train. All right. Well, so Vegas... yeah, yeah, not, or, or maybe Calgary, even though they've replaced him with players. I'm not sure. Like the same. And, and they still haven't replaced Matthew Kachuk. So that could be the team too. So, yeah, I just think that. And if you take out, because I don't want to start a ride by saying the Kings won't, won't make the playoffs because that'll just, just bury me on Twitter, uh, which I don't well, go think ahead will and say happen. It, Dennis, I want you to say it. No, go no, ahead and say no, it. no, no. <laughs> Look, what I will say, John, is that you thought last year was pivotal. This year is more pivotal for the Kings, more because you can't go backwards, right? right? So it was great, great progression. Love the season, tough seven game loss, but now you can't, you can't go backwards. Uh, yeah, I, look, remember what if they started the season with Bruce because that allows you start in Vancouver, like they would have made the play. They were playing really good with with Bruce, and they've got a lot of talent on that team. So, so see, it's not a guarantee, but I just think that uh, I like the way they played under Bruce. All right, so you're going to say true. I'm going to say false. Next up, Huberto will have more points than any Panthers player. False. Who, who's going to outscore him? 
um, Kachuk. <laughs> oh jeez. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm here's the thing. He's playing under Daryl Sutter, and normally when you think of Daryl, you think of defensive-minded hockey. So I want to say false, but I'm gonna say true. Uh just just because of how the whole thing went down. So I'm gonna say yeah, and, and true. Just got 115 points with him. So why can't Uberdo? And I love I, and that's, what I'm, that's why I'm saying that that, that yeah, that, that, yeah, it's not the you same think of defensive of hockey and then you go, well, hold on, yeah. Kachuk you know, and even Goudreau, you know, and you think of what they were able to do, but I'm going to, I'm going to say, yeah, uh, I'm going to say he's going to have more points than any Panthers player. Next up, Giroux will have more points than any Flyers player. Uh, uh, Fault. I, I don't think he's going to be a big time scorer in, in Ottawa. I, yeah, I think they're, I'm the younger the players thing. are going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying the same thing. I, I don't understand how, you, how Giroux is going to generate more points than any Flyers player. Next up, uh, we need to, we need to speed this up. Uh, and it's all yeah. my fault. Uh, Burns will have more points than Tony D'Angelo. True or false? True. True. Kraken will go over 87.5 points. <laughs> no false. way. False. Um, Crosby, <laughs> Crosby will go over 88.5 points. I don't think he's going to play that many games, so I'm going to say false. I'm going false, too. Ovechkin will go over 42 and a half goals. He'll keep shooting until he gets to 43. True. I'm just going to say true also. Um, NHL goes over six goals per game again. They better. True. I say true. At least one goalie will score a goal. I say true. false. False. Okay. Uh, McKinnon will hit 100 points. False. I say true. I say true. Uh, there will be a Canadian team in the conference final. False. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go false on that one, too. Uh, Cole Caulfield, over 30 goals. False. False. Duchesne and Johansson will score at least 52 goals combined. No, False. 52 goals combined. Okay. Yeah. False. That's going to be false though. Uh, Kaprizov will go over a hundred points again. That's my guy. True. Yeah. I was going to go true on that also. Um, we're agreeing too much here, Dennis. The Sabres will hit at least 82 points. Uh, let's see. Hang on one second. Da, 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 da. Uh, true. Cause they had 75 last year. They should be okay. better. All right. Uh, I want to say false, but my boy Smurf is there. So I'm going to go true. They're going to yeah, right, hit it. Right. Okay. Um, what do we have up here next year? Uh, EP40 will score more goals than uh, Shveshnikov. Uh, I assume the Shveshnikov on Carolina. Uh, true. Really? Yeah, okay. I, I, I don't. Yeah, I, 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 I think they'll be a better offensive team than Carolina. Carolina's going to win because they don't give up anything, not because they're this great offensive powerhouse. That's why they lost game seven. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm gonna go, I'll, I'll I'll go with you on that. Island uh, Islanders and the Rangers will have more points than the Leafs and the Sens. True. I'm gonna go false on that. Um, well, hold so on. you like the, the, the Rangers will 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 be over the Leafs. So the question is, the Sens and the Isle. Yeah, I, I'm I'm still gonna I'll I'll keep my pick. Uh, the Coyotes will finish 32nd. You already um, said they'll get relic. They'll get relegated. No, they can't get oh. relegated. So <laughs> they'll finish 33rd. No, just kidding. Uh, yes, they'll clearly finish 32nd. True. I'm going to go with true also. Uh, when you look at the bottom sort of six or eight teams, uh, kind of points to Arizona, I'm going to say true. Um, McDavid wins his third, third heart trophy. Mm. 
Uh, false. I'm going to say true. And the next one, abs repeat as Stanley Cup champion. Well, false. I think we already kind of said false in one of the earlier yep. questions, or it would lead you to think that. Um, well, hold on. Where's the remainder? Is it only 41? That's, that's all we've got. Only 41 questions. Oh, for some reason, I thought it was 50. Questions. Isn't it 50? That's it. We're done. Oh, it was 41. Well, I apologize, Dennis. I thought there were nine yeah. more questions. All right. Sure, we got it right in 30 minutes. It's perfect. <laughs> Do you have any LA Kings true-false questions that uh, you want to you want to rattle off or you want to come up with some for the next podcast? I think we should do that. Heading into the preseason. Yes. Maybe that's what we did we last should. time. Heading into yes. the preseason, you and I should each come up with uh, maybe 10 preseason or 10 sure. questions each. We won't tell the other person what the what the question is, and then we'll just read it live on the air. True, false questions. We'll go back and forth. Fantastic. Yes. Great idea for second. I'm going to give you your first one, though. True, false. We're going to be able to nail down Todd McClellan before training camp opens up in September. True. <laughs> it's outstanding. All right, people, there you go. Another outstanding episode of uh, Kings of the Podcast. Thanks again to Jack Hughes for uh, for jumping in and, and spending a little bit of his summer with us. Uh, looking forward to him coming to Los Angeles next year with his Dodger hat in tow. And we do look forward on a future episode or future episodes to be chatting with Kevin Fiala, as well as uh, Mark Kennedy's return is still on the books and uh, Todd McClellan as well. So until then, DB, I hope everybody has a great week.